You know what one of my, f hello, that's kind of loud. <laughs> Can you hear me? You want to know what, hey, you want to know what one of, my, one of my favorite things about worship and song is? On Sunday morning especially, if you think about it, sometimes we think that, you know, everybody has church kind of at the same time. But if you look across the globe, it's already been Sunday morning for a really long time on the planet, right? And so all over the globe, prior to us worshiping, there was already bunches and bunches and bunches of Christians lifting up the name of Jesus across the globe. And we just got to add our voices to that chorus. Remember when I read, was it last week I read from Revelation that, that in heaven it's always, you know, there's always worship going on, right? We just got to add our voices to the angels <laughs> worshiping the Lord. And that's just kind of exciting to me that I don't know. We get to add in with the rest of the planet. And, you know, hours from now, it'll continue becoming church time across the United States and then across the Pacific, and more people will add their voices to the chorus. And, I don't know, I just get excited about the bride of Christ coming together on Sunday morning and worshiping the bride, or worshiping Christ. So, anyways. So, this morning begins a series. Uh, if you didn't get notes and want them... Um, this is what we're going to be doing. Um, we're thinking probably about um, 12 weeks this is going to take, believe it or not. Um, we'll see what happens, but we're going to be looking at what do we believe. Do you think it's kind of important for a church to say, hey, this is what we believe, right? It's kind of important for us to all be on the same page. These are the basics that we believe in. Now, across, <clears throat> across all of um, the church, the Christian church, there are a lot of different beliefs, a lot of different uh, nuances to different beliefs. And there's, there's certain things that, that people stand on as pretty important and things that people stand on that aren't really that important, to be honest with you. So what we're going to attempt to do is I'm going to take the next, hopefully 12 weeks is about what it'll take, and we're going to walk down through the, the important things. The things that we say, you know what? This really defines us as Christians. These are things that really ought to be elemental to what we hold fast to as Christians. So, this morning, I'm starting out with a really, really elementary question. Is God real? Because if we're not sure God is real, all the other stuff we're going to talk about doesn't really matter. Right? So we almost have to establish right off the bat, is God real? And so that's the question that I'm going to ask this morning. I read a survey that was recently done. It shows that 83% of Americans are either absolutely or fairly certain that God exists. 83%. Now, that's a pretty high number. And it would seem to suggest that America is full of God-fearing, God-following, God-serving people, Right? As a matter of fact, our country is considered to be a Christian nation. At least, that's what they call us, right? But you know what? More and more, the world we live in is telling us that we need to be politically correct. We need to be inclusive. Okay? How many of you have ever seen the Coexist bumper sticker? You ever, you ever seen that on a bumper sticker? Sticker? You know, the idea of it sounds good. 
you know, hey, we ought to all get along, right? We all ought to get along with each other and, and get to know each other. You know what, though? If you're not careful, things that seem like they ought to be good can actually be dangerous. Do you guys know what this stands for? What each of these symbols stands for? I'm going to tell you. The C is actually the Islamic crescent moon. Okay? The, the O is obviously a peace sign. The E is a combination of the sign for male and female. Saying that we're all... There, there are proponents that say we're, we're neither. Right? <laughs> Not sure how that works, but they say that we're, we're either... The, the, so the, the X is the star of David. We recognize that. The I, believe it or not, see what's above it? It's the pentagram. The pentagram is actually used as a symbol of faith by Wiccans and witch, witches. The S is the yin and yang symbol. Yin, yin yang symbol. It's a Chinese symbol. It's, it's saying that there's two guiding principles, dark and light, that influence the destinies of all people. It's kind of a all everything's kind of together in one spirit kind of thing. And of course, the T is the Christian cross. The idea of coexist, the idea of a bumper sticker like this, that what they really want us to believe is that all roads lead to heaven. Like all, everything comes together and, and somehow we all wind up in heaven. There's many gods. Everything works together. Now, let me tell you, as we begin with what we believe, let me state emphatically that I believe there is one way to heaven, one way to the Father, and His name is Jesus Christ. That's it. If there's, if there's anything that I can stand on any stronger, that is it. Isaiah 45.5 says this, you don't have that one? Okay. Isaiah 45, 5. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. There is one God. That's it. Americans might say they believe there is a God, but the thing is, a lot of Americans aren't living that way. They're not living as if there's one God. They don't live it out that God is real or that He has any input in their lives. So this morning, I want us to get at this first question. Is God real and if he is how can we be sure of it how can we recognize it in our lives it might sound like a really simplistic question is god real you might be sitting here and you're saying of course god's real right i'm convinced of it i have a simple question for you why do you believe that you personally, why do you believe that God actually exists? Is it because your mom and dad said so? Is it because a Sunday school teacher told you? Is it because a pastor says so? One of the things that was really important in my faith, and some of you have heard my testimony, but I reached a point in my life where where just because my dad said so and just because my pastor said so wasn't enough for me. I needed to know so. And so I started questioning my faith. I questioned a lot of things about my faith. And I started to ask God, okay, if you're real, if this is true about you, then give me some proof. I, I need to know this about you. 
If it says this in the Bible, well then, it must be your word, so let me find that to be true in my life. And what happens is, when your faith goes from your dad's faith, or your pastor's faith, or your Sunday school's teacher faith, to your faith, something powerful happens in that exchange. Because when I say I can believe it because I've experienced it, or I can believe it because it's real to me, that's, more, that's way more powerful than I can say because somebody else told me so. Or somebody else believes it. I don't even know where I am in my notes. <laughs> it's important that we find it to be true for ourselves. Okay? So, anyways. So, evidence. We all know what evidence is, right? The police, they, they investigate something. They, they collect a lot of evidence. They spend time collecting evidence. They have experts that know how to find evidence. They know experts... They have experts that know how to preserve it, uh, know how to interpret it. And usually what happens is the evidence that they collect leads them on a journey. It brings them to a conclusion, and they figure out what the truth is. Well, today, what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to look at some evidence, some evidence that's around us. So if you were to go to our website and you would look in the um, About section, you'll find the What We Believe. And in there, you'll see our statement of faith. And you also see our mission statement. And one of our statements of faith says this. It begins with this. It says, the Bible begins with these words. In the beginning, God created. We believe that. Therefore, everything that we see, everything that we experience is because God created it. If you don't believe that God created everything that we see, you've got to come up with another explanation. So that's where I want to begin this morning. Let's talk about, and God created. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4a. For the director of music, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. Psalm 19, 1 through 4. The author here, none other than David, King David, military leader David, incredibly intelligent David, but before David became all of those things. David was a simple shepherd. Now, what do shepherds spend a lot of time doing, class? Watching sheep. Where? Outside. One of the things I like to think about with David was he spending all this time out in the, out in the wilderness. And he's watching his sheep. And I'm sure he, he looked around at nature around himself. I'm sure he, he saw newborn sheep being born. And he marveled at new life. Shepherds are also outside at night. Guess what I imagine David doing? <laughs> any of you gone, have any of you been someplace like really dark and looked up? Like I got some of the absolute best Christmas present I've ever gotten in my life for this past Christmas. It was, it was two pairs of stargazing binoculars. You know why I got two pairs? Have you ever gone to look at something with binoculars and you're going, man, look at that over there. And they go, let me see. 
now I can't look at that anymore. So Sandy actually bought me one pair and went, wait a second, he has three sons. <laughs> at least one of them is going to be out with him. So anyways, so we'll sit at night and we'll just sit in the backyard and we'll just look at the stars. We'll look at the moons around Jupiter. We'll look at, um, we'll, we'll look for low earth orbiting satellites. We look, all these things that are in the sky. It's just really cool. And I kind of imagine David sitting out on those. I mean, there wasn't any light pollution back then. So think of how well he could see the stars. Think of how well he could see the planets. He wondered about all that probably. There are times too where I think David probably did this. Do that once. Look at your hand. Like make a fist. Move your fingers. Like move one finger. Do you realize how amazing the human hand is? Scientists have created all kinds of artificial human parts. You know, hearts, prosthetics. They've tried to do human hands. And they've got hands that that look like human hands, but none of them have any of the intricacies as far as how they move, how they grip, how they feel. I mean, think about the things that you can do with your hand, right? And they can't get it. Scientists can't get it. I can imagine David just standing out there, sitting out there going, how about that? That's pretty amazing, right? Because David was pretty, he was, he was pretty observant. So I wonder if David looked at this, looked at his hand, looked at the stars, looked at creation around him. And so we come to Psalm 19, and David has a really simple message. He says, if you want to see evidence of God, look up. Look at the heavens. Look at the stars. You'll see God everywhere. Everything around you is telling you that there is a God. I get pretty excited about this. How about you guys? So let me go a little bit science geek on you. Can I get science geek on you? So Sandy has this really cool video. If you want to see it, you got to, well, she'll probably watch it with you because she loves watching it. It's It's a video called The Privileged Planet. How many of you have ever seen the the video, the DVD, The Privileged Planet? So The Privileged Planet is really, really cool. There's a whole bunch of stuff on this DVD that I'm not going to go into, but I'm going to go into a couple really important things. Who can tell me what's happening on August the 21st of this year that's really, really unusual, that only happens every once in a while, and you're not allowed to answer, Matthew? (laughs) Anybody know? Somebody say it? An eclipse. So on August the 21st of this year, this rare event is happening here in the United States. Millions and millions of people from all over our globe are going to descend on the southern United States to see a solar eclipse. Now listen. Listen. There are close to 200 confirmed moons in our solar system. Got that? 200. There is one that is situated in exactly the right place that you can see this from the planet. Guess which one that is? Ours. One out of 200. Okay? Now get this. Our sun's diameter is about 400 times the size of our moon. 
our sun on average is about 400 times farther away from the earth than the moon. As a result, they appear to be almost the same size in the sky. As a result, we have solar eclipses that allow us to see this. Now, what's important about this? Why is this important for us to be able to see this? What this does is prior to us figuring out what we were seeing here, we didn't realize what was around there. But that's actually um, called the corona. It's the atmosphere of the sun. And there's so many things that we have learned by being able to study the corona. We've learned the shape of the earth. We've learned that the sun actually has an atmosphere. They've been able to study the sun, the solar wind, the solar flares, the effects that they have on the earth. We've been able to see space weather. Get this, they, they, they discovered elements in the corona. Helium is there. It dis, they discovered helium there, and that led to the discovery that helium is way more prevalent in our universe than we thought. They found hydrogen atoms there, which they didn't believe would be there because it's so hot. They found that the corona is actually hotter than the surface of the sun, and they can't figure that out. But all of these discoveries, they wouldn't have been able to figure out had the moon not been the perfect size, perfect distance from the, sun, from the earth, one out of 200. And you want to hear something interesting? Scientists have figured out how to take a telescope and do an artificial eclipse. But because of the limitations of our telescopes, they can't get anywhere near the scientific data as the real thing that happens. Now, you're probably thinking, where am I going with all this? Where am I going with all this? Well, let's go a little bit further with with science. Do you know that the earth is very unique as well? We inhabit a zone in our solar system that if we were 2% further away, all the water we have would be ice. If we were 2% closer, all the water would boil away. We have a unique magnetic field that protects us from radiation. We have the right mix of gases that we can breathe and live. Now, I looked this up this morning. You ready for a big number? The chances that all of those things would happen on one planet in a solar system is 1 in 700 quintillion. Who can tell me how many zeros that is? I had to Google it. That's 1 with 18 zeros. 1 with 18 zeros chance that all of those factors would just happen in our solar system. Why is all that important? Why is it important for us to understand the uniqueness of our planet, the uniqueness of our solar system? It's because this. I believe God also instilled something in humans called curiosity. A longing to study, a longing to explore, a longing to discover. And God knew the more we explored, the more we discovered, the more we would find Him. The heavens declare the glory. God knew when we went looking, we'd find Him. 
And so he created it that way. The second thing I want to come to, again, going to be science geek on you. How many of you know what the word causality means? Anyone besides the physics majors in the room? Causality. Cause and effect. For, for there to be an effect, there has to be a cause. Okay, here we go. I'm going to show you an effect. Okay, ready? What was the cause of that noise? My hands slapping together, right? So science tells us for every effect, there is a cause. You with me? Are you falling asleep? You follow me? Okay. The phone that I have here didn't just somehow wind up with a cover on it, right? Someone put a cover on it. It didn't just happen to have an iPhone logo on the back, right? Somebody thought that up and put it on there, right? Someone designed it that way. The lights in here didn't just turn on this morning, right? Somebody had to come in and flip the switch. The street out in front of our building didn't just automatically come with pavement on it, right? Someone put it there. Nothing around us in our universe can be described as self-reliant, okay? Everything that we see needs something else to exist. Everything came from somewhere. So, there are people would have us believe that this can of Pepsi started out billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of years ago as a rock. And on that rock, there was some sort of primordial soup and molecules were in it. And those couple molecules knew what to do with each other. And they got together and they started mutating. And millions and billions of years later, it formed this sugary substance that tastes wonderful. And, and as it as it mutated over that time, it, it, it came to this point where it also started to add some fizz to it. That if you would swallow it, it make you, yeah, you know. So, so then after another couple billion years, this, this package came together and it met up with this sugary, yummy substance and they, it got inside it. And then millions and millions of years after that, this blue, red, and white, like rain or something, came down and formed and, and wrote the word Pepsi on it. And then as it evolved even further, it, it came up with this handy pull tab. You just, pshht, and it, and it opens. See, if anybody would make you believe that, they would also make you believe that that billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of years ago, there was a rock. And it had some primordial soup on it. And it had some molecules in it that knew what to do with each other. And over time, it, they grew into this, into this white, sugary substance. And it tastes really yummy. And, and over billions and billions of years, it, it formed this package. And, and, it, and the, the sugary white stuff uh, was able to get inside the package and, and um, the, the, it rained down from up above, and, and it formed the word Chiquita on, <laughs> on the outside of it. And the cool thing is, the last thing that it evolved was a handy pool tab. <laughs> <laughs>
that allows you to open it, right? My question is, how can they look at this and say, oh, yeah, that's made by man. Somebody formed that. Somebody created that. But they look at this and say, ah, it just happened by chance. It's a couple molecules getting together and knowing what to do with themselves. Cause and effect. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Here we see cause and effect. Right? The effect was light. What was the cause? God said, let there be light. And there was light. Not some primordial soup where two molecules knew what to do with each other. The cause and effect of creation that we see around us is God said so. And now we have what we have. How do we know God is real? Cause and effect, creation. The third thing that I'd like us to look at is this. Ask yourself the question, if a person never steps into a church never goes to Sunday school, never goes to VBS, never has a neighbor or coworker share the gospel with them, if none of that ever happens, does a person automatically grow up to break all the Ten Commandments? Don't you have to go to church to learn all that? So if you don't go to church or nobody taught you, you automatically become a thief and a murderer, right? This is no... Because that's the right answer. No. Of course not. Every human being of sound mind has a sense of morality. There's something within us that intrinsically knows right from wrong. How does that get there? Some people would say that we evolved that way. That somehow society or culture instills that sense in us. I don't agree with that. Because it doesn't hold up with facts. Here's where I think it comes from. Romans 1.20 says this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Here's the deal. I believe God has invisible qualities. His power, His divine nature, I think those things are sensed and understood by humans. It's how God designed us. I believe He has this internal compass that how He created us, that we recognize these things without even knowing that we're recognizing them. I think we know right from wrong. I think intrinsically we know that there's a creator in our, in our hearts, in our inner beings. We know that there's a God. And we don't need someone to tell us that. I mean, we do eventually. It's important that someone shares the gospel with us. But I think as humans, we're created to know that there's a God. We're created to know right from wrong. It's instilled in us by our creator. The last one that we will look at 
How do we know God is real? This one's a little bit longer sec, uh, scripture. We're going to go to 2 Kings verses four, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it on one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I love the confidence of Elisha here. (laughs) At the very beginning, he says, go ask for some empty bottles, but don't just ask for a couple. Get a whole bunch of them, because God's about to show up. I mean, that was what he was implying here. I love his confidence. How could Elisha be so sure that he could count on God? How could Elisha say to this lady, don't just get three, don't, don't get three bottles, get about 30, because you're going to need them. How did he know that? Elisha had faith. Faith is described in Scripture as assurance in what we do not see. Right? But I'll submit to you that our faith grows by what we do see as well. In this story, if we look at the life of Elisha, by the time Elisha gets to this point, he had already seen God move many times in his life. He had hung out with Elijah, for crying out loud. You want to talk about seeing miracles. Elisha would have seen all kinds of miracles happen. He would have seen God intervening in in human lives all the time. To Elisha, God was real because he had seen him working. He had seen him In his life, he had seen him in other people's lives. If you look in the Bible, time after time after time, you will see examples of this only happens if God intervenes. This only happens if God shows up and does the God things. Yes, we can look at the heavens. Yes, we can look at science. We can look at the internal moral compass that every one of us has. But I think one of the greatest ways to answer the question, is God real, is to look at, to hear about things that have happened. One of the reasons why we do testimony time here at the spring, every Sunday morning, is because I think it's important for us to be hearing what God is doing in other people's lives. It's important for us to share what's happening in my life. Why? Because it builds faith. It builds faith. Testimonies about actual things. There can only be God doing this. There's no other explanation. And so this morning, to finish out, I've actually asked a couple people to share a testimony. 
and just a quick little couple minute testimony. And here's what I want us to hear. I want us to hear this is why God is real to this person. Because I think as we share our testimonies with other people, when we walk up to people who have, who have never been introduced to Jesus, it's really important for us to say, here's why I believe he's real. Remember at the very beginning of this morning's sermon, I said, do you believe that God is real? And just about everybody shook their heads. And my question was, why? Why? Because you read it in a book? Or because you've experienced him? So we've got... A couple people, and I don't care who comes in what order, but they're just going to share for a minute or two, and then I might share a short testimony as well. So whoever wants to come first. One of the things that's made God very real to me is the times that I've heard him speak. And when I say that, I mean more than just feeling an impression. There, there's times when, you know, I feel like an urging to do something, or I feel an impression, I feel like maybe God's leading me towards something. But there have been times in my life when I have been crying out to God, and I have heard Him speak to me. And just in a way that I know this wasn't a, you know, well, I have another pastor who said maybe I had too much cabbage to eat one night, and that made me <laughs> you know, feel, have a funny feeling or something. It wasn't a funny feeling, and I'll, I'll just share one of those. That was a time when my son, he put my wife and I through some issues, through some trials and turmoil. And there was one time I was just... I can remember where it was. Uh, it was. We were still in Zimbabwe at the time, and I was out in the bush, and I was just crying out to God, pouring out my heart and saying, God, you know, I, I love him so much. There's so much I can help him with. He just, he's going his own way, making his own decisions, doing his own thing. Why can't he just listen to me, you know, take some advice from me, and just as I poured out my heart about my son, God stopped me, and it was, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was so clear. God said, I know exactly how you feel, because that is how I feel about you. Hmm. And I knew that in that moment, the God of the universe was real. The God who millions of people may have been praying to him at that point. But he heard me, and he spoke directly to me. I know he's real. And you know, everything you've shared this morning, Steve, it's all valid, even without that. It, mm -hmm. It's true. It makes him real. But then when, when, when I have an experience like that, and I know, yes, God is real. Excellent. Brendan and I were married about 10 years ago, and the minute that we were married, it's like, okay, let's have kids. Um, and anyone who's newly married, I'm sure it's like, Beth, you've heard this, when are you starting? So, you know, we were asked that for a while, and 
after three years of trying for a child, um, we went started then talking to doctors and finding out, you know, kind of what's going on. And at that point, um, I had had some different tests run. Brandon had, and we were told it's not going to happen. So it took a while, but we accepted that. Started looking at, you know, how can we be involved in different things and. Um, so we took an exchange student, and a month after that, we were pregnant. So we know that clearly it wasn't, you know, us doing that. It had to have been God involved because, as I said, we were told it's not going to happen um, due to some different medical issues. So we were so thankful that he showed up then. Awesome. You got something you want to share, Jess? Yeah. Go ahead and come, Jamie. That's great. Thank you. Well, those of you that know me know that a lot of times I'll share about physical healing that I've had in my body because I've dealt with a lot of physical issues over the years. Um, so this morning, I felt like the Lord wanted me to challenge you to view miracles in a different way. Uh, a lot of times, I think we can view uh, miracles as being something um, profound, impactful, only oxygen there would be no need to breathe so we wouldn't be able to live so the fact that we actually have the perfect balance of oxygen and carbon dioxide is the reason why we actually have to take a breath um, there's 10 more 10 times more bacteria in our body than blood cells uh, which is actually overwhelming I read that and thought oh. but only 1% of those can actually make you ill but in contrast to that only 1% of your blood cells can fight against those bacteria so you just you see the balance 1%, 1% against each other. Um, and there's 50,000 cells in your body that have just died and been replaced as I'm reading the last sentence. Um, so it's pretty powerful. But in my own life, how that looks is that um, I had a heart transplant for now almost 28 years. And in order for me to live, um, because my heart is a foreign body, my body is constantly trying to kill it. Uh, like, really, literally. So I had to take medication that um, does the opposite 
So every day I'm walking around with this fragile balance of that 1% versus 1% and how that balance flips. As you could tell right now, I'm a little under the weather and that happens and that's part of that balance. But I'm just reminded of how cool that is, that um, if anything was off by like 0.5%, 0.02, I wouldn't be here. And so um, I just want to remind you all to look at your life in that way, that these are the things that, you know, God is doing for us that we don't even really think about. And so that's um, exciting and amazing. Awesome. Thank you. So when you know that God is real in your life, tell someone about it. Tell someone about it. Jesus called us to be his witnesses. We are to share. Let me tell, let me tell a story about myself. And I've told this story before, and my wife told me to stop apologizing when I repeat stories, so I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to tell this story. So some of you know that when Sandy and I decided to church plant to start the spring, um, I wasn't interested. I was a worship pastor. I was having a great time. I thought that was a good gig. I didn't really want to give it up. But God started telling her first that I was to be the pastor of this new church plant. So after about three months of arguing, uh, this way, I was arguing this way. <laughs> um, I can remember I was at our mother church and I came walking out of the library. And those of you who have been there know in the library hallway are, is a whole row of pictures and they're former pastors of that church way back from like the dark ages to present. I mean, way back, 100 plus years ago. All these pastors were there. And I can remember standing in front of that, uh, in that hallway, in front of those pictures, and I actually started to cry because I said, God, you know what? I'm not, I'm not one of these guys. I, I'm, a, I'm a worship guy. I can't preach. I can't, I can't lead a church. What are you doing? I, there's no way that you're calling me to be a pastor. So I went to my office, and I was really upset. And a couple weeks later, Sandy and I went to a conference in Baltimore. And we didn't know anybody was gonna, who was going to be there. We just showed up at this conference, and um, we knew we wanted to go to this conference. And here there was, a, there was a couple there that we knew. We didn't know them real well, but they were, they were part of our denomination. And so we kind of hung out with them throughout the weekend. But we didn't tell them anything, really, that was on our hearts. And the last day we were there, right before the last session, this, the gentleman comes up to me and he says, Hey, I have a friend here. Um, he's an old timer. He, he absolutely loves to pray for people. Can, can I have him come pray for you? And I'm like, sure, that'd be awesome. So this guy comes up, this old timer, um, who I'd never met before in my life, knew nothing about my life. I knew nothing about his, and he starts praying for me. And so he has his hands on my shoulders like this. And, and I'm, you know, we're kind of, and he's just praying. He's praying, he's praying, he's praying. It's just kind of a normal prayer, nothing Nothing extraordinary at all. But all of a sudden, he, he stops praying. He gets quiet. And it's long enough I start to get uncomfortable. It's like, why did he quit? So I look up, and he's looking me right in the eye with a silly grin on his face. And I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? And he says, 
I think God just told me to tell you something. I'm like, okay. Here's what he said. I see you in a long corridor. Standing before a row of pictures. God wants me to tell you that your picture belongs on that wall. Yeah, woe wasn't what I said. (laughs) You know, I knew God was real before that moment. But holy cow. That cemented it in my spirit. That God cared enough about me that He would give a total stranger a message and have him go to Baltimore, the same place I was going to be at the same time, to stand in front of me and pray for me and give me that message. See, God could have told me that Himself, right? He's God. But how much more powerful was it that He used a total stranger to tell me that? See, when things like that happen in your life, you need to tell people about it. I had a pastor tell me one time, he said this, he said, the man with an argument is always at the mercy of the man with an experience. You guys get that? You can argue with me all you want that that guy didn't tell me that message from God or that wasn't from God or whatever. And I'm going to say, I experienced that. There's no way. That was God, period. The man with an argument is always at the expense at the mercy of the man with, with an experience. When we have an experience and we know it's God, we need to tell people. We need to share our testimony. So, let's pray. Father God, thank you that we can, we can look to the stars to see that you are real. Thank you that we can look at our own bodies. We can look at the world around us, at your creation, and know that you are real. Thank you that we can see the, the, the intrinsic morality that humans have and know that you are real. But Father God, thank you so much that you are personal in your realness. That you are actually active in our lives. You show up and do things that only God can do. Thank you for the proof of that, that you exist. Lord, I pray that we would be a church who is quick to share our testimonies, quick to be your witness in the world, quick to name your name, Jesus, because we live in a world who desperately needs to know you. And so, Lord, I pray that our lives would be lived out in a way that point people to you. Yes, God, you are real. And yes, God, our world needs to know that. So reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have a wonderful Sunday. If you don't have anywhere to eat for lunch, Hosses is doing the fundraiser for the youth. Grab a card on your way out the back door. So.